Oh no, you know what? You know there's a better song. There is a better song. It's not mine, but I do love it. COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen. Go and I maintain that that is one of the best things to come out of twenty twenty. That was that was truly truly amazing. I bet they made a lot of money off of that remix too. <laughs> and I hope that guy made no money. That was Jim Baker, right? Uh, but, but, I don't know. one of those one fucks. Of the, there's yeah. so many of those freaky televangelists. Yeah. yeah, there are. Who could keep them the like straight? They all look the same, kind of. I tell you though, like after that sermon, I'm sure that he gave about COVID nineteen. There wasn't a dry seat in that congregation. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Just fucking. They love that he wet. loves Jesus, and also that he wears eyeliner on TV. They love it. Oh my mm-hmm. god, that guy's so scary looking. He is so scary looking. All right, welcome back to Everyday Lies. We were talking about the biggest lie that maybe ever got lied: money, <laughs> money. <laughs> and I hope you listened to part one, and now you can kind of see the malleability of money, and it all seems all it seems to need. Is faith of the heart. <laughs> that was from a Star Trek, bro. What's mm-hmm. And I really hope that you you know that because the train that is automation is coming down the track. And if you don't believe in money hard enough, we're all going to die. <laughs> That's the second part of the book. I highly recommend that book. No. Oh, yeah. uh, in a few chapters about automation taking jobs, Goldstein gives some historical references to the Industrial Revolution including about a legendary group of skilled workers, who I'm sure you've heard about, you nerd, who carried out destruction on machines that took their jobs. The Luddites. that track with you? Um, uh, Luddites? I've never heard too much about them. Yes! A guy one Chris don't know about. <laughs> you don't know how cool that is. So um, when automation was taking over the textile industry in Europe, this was... You know, like amazing to see these crazy machines, but then there's also who people who had made this market with their skills and they were, you know, well paid for their skills and things like that. They were just basically out of a job overnight when like large machines were able to produce, you know, more socks in one day than they could in like a year. Yeah. Yeah. Machines are older, bigger and have a car. So, I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> Older, bigger, and have a car. Yeah, yeah they're cooler. They're more than mature. You. Yeah, they, they're more mature. <laughs> they're like freshmen in college. <laughs> college boys. <laughs> um, so the Luddites were named for a mythical character named Ned Ludd and his band of disgruntled men who hid out in the Sherwood Forest <laughs> and just spent their time fucking with the textile industry. Oh. <laughs> this led to an uprising of people who identified as Luddites. Even though they think that Ned Ludd was like a just a guy's name that they just kind of like were like he used to be the guy who did this around town. Let's take his name and and you know, so he wasn't actually. They called him General Ludd, and there were notes signed General Ludd, but he wasn't actually a real guy. Okay. okay. Anyway, uh, this led to an uprising of people who identified as Luddites, and they took a forceful stand against the machines 
And in 1811 in Nottinghamshire, they smashed a stocking factory and some mills, and they were such an instant cult classic that they became the subject of pub songs and like veneration in a widespread Fight Club esque. Cult. I've definitely heard the term many times. <laughs> we're just kind of like, we're taking down <laughs> the machines. Oh, okay. Uh, the movement ended with several hangings, and eventually no one did their jobs man- manually anymore. And automation would have a huge impact on the prov- poverty status of future generations. But unfortunately for these poor Ron Swansons, uh, it did not improve their lives. Hmm. They got fucked. Uh, yeah, man. Summer City. And this brings us to the Swansoniest thing we're going to talk about in this money pod. The gold standard. Uh-oh. Gold is more real than money, and that's the problem. It's, it's uh, more real than the money it's used to represent. It's from stars, which is very cool. And it's also shiny, so our crow brains like it. However, to make it work, you have to hoard gold like a dragon, which stifles economic growth. And if economies depend on the stable flow of money and the faith in the money (laughs) and the system, then one or two dragon hoarders with a vast amount of wealth is a giant problem. I'm talking to you, Bezos. (laughs) Yeah. So you hoard gold in the gold standard. That's kind of what you got to do. And that's how you guarantee uh, every dollar you have is backed by, you know, a certain amount of gold is that you just keep all the gold. Right. So um, this seemed natural and cool to everybody, and then it destroyed major economies. If one of those dragons were actually a country, it would have very little trade, very little innovation, and a sluggish economy. The mindset of the time, and of a few modern politicians, is that gold and silver are wealth. I'm quoting the book here. Gold and silver are wealth, and if we want our country to be wealthy, we have to pile up as much gold as we can. This means running a trade surplus selling more to others than we buy from them, and keeping all the gold. (laughs) And that way more money comes into the country and stays here. Uh, David Hume uh, points out, the same like historian philosopher time, points out that for actual trade to work between countries, money has to flow, and balances naturally occur. And if you try to pile it all up in one money, all the money up in one country, it's not going to work. He says, it's as silly as trying to make one side of the ocean higher than the other. So it's like kind of a mental picture of what money does naturally. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't really, you know, hold it like there without, you know, dams break. And when they do, it's terrible. Right. Mm. They also went on to say that we would be robbing ourselves of art and nature and putting a necessary burden on our industries. So no matter way, which way you look at it, it just like doesn't work out in the way that you want it to. Because money is fiction. And gold is not fiction. It's made by stars. Yeah, well, isn't it funny that we have like these systems, but money, but like the flow of money begins to be like sort of this organic thing. Like, it, I don't know, it's it's almost like it becomes like, it just, it just it starts to work organically in a way. It's like the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people believe in it, therefore it is, mm-hmm. and it just yeah, like whoosh, it, it like whoosh, things have and flow, and like little choices have big consequences, or you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah, it's it's just interesting. Yeah. The, the, this kind of ushers in the birth of more modern economics with uh, David Hume's thoughts. And it was actually him who said that the gold standard was doomed and, you know, money should be able to benefit a lot of people and not to be hoarded. And if you put fees on all of the imports and gold and silver, 
and you keep innovation out of your country, you know, that's a bad thing right. to stop the flow. The flow, man. <laughs> it's all about the flow. Uh, in short, the only reason that the ultra-rich like have all their money is the result of an unnatural balance. So welfare doesn't actually hurt the economy because it puts more money into the flow instead of allowing a dead fall-off. While hoarding large sums of money creates the dead fall-off. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, when Britain was trying to make their first gold standard, they kept setting the price for gold and silver incorrectly and... The value of a silver coin was less than the same was like less than the same weight of a lump of silver. So they just like melt down all of England's coins and go sell them for scrap. Yeah, I mean, already when um oh I said that in the last episode, didn't I? Fuck. <laughs> Sorry. No, yeah. no um, I was gonna say uh, so talking about like amassing all your wealth into like gold and silver. Um, so when wealthy people used to come across seas on ships, they would actually put all of their wealth into these things called ingot bars. And it was like these big bars of gold and silver that really just represented all the wealth that you would be bringing over to the next country. They'd have like stamps on it, a family seals on on these bars, uh, the king's seal. And, um, you know, that's a lot of the treasure that's recovered when ships sink is these families ingot bars those things and it represents all of their wealth yeah they're cool <laughs> wow yeah th- you know that really brings up another really bad idea you shouldn't ever put all of your wealth on a boat and sail it across the ocean <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a really bad idea yeah, some would maybe say you should do that in stages right. <laughs> <laughs> well like what you're gonna trust the bank of england no <laughs> As we're in a war? Like, I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I trust the king. He took a crap on my desk. <laughs> you got to buy a lot of horses and take the horses. It's a big honor. <laughs> so you threw out some interesting, uh, like, levels of gold measurement before yeah. in the last episode. And this is one that I came across. And this was how the Bank of England, like, technically invented the gold standard and made it a thing. They decided that, like, a certain amount of or an ounce of gold, was 123 grains. And a grain was based on a grain of wheat, Yeah, which everybody knew about. And that's why it was used. Like Everybody knows what the size of a grain of wheat is, and that's why it became a thing. Right. That's interesting. It's very science Yes, just like feet. <laughs> Here in America. It's very cold and Measure math-y. of distance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> feet. Everybody's foot's the same size, right? <laughs> I mean, we're good. <laughs> Just call it a foot. Yeah, everybody's foot. Yeah, everybody's size. got the same size feet. <laughs> so for a while, the the gold standard created uh, worked out to solve a lot of international trade problems when it was adopted by all the other major economies and it ushered in a giant growth in the economy because trade was easier. Everything that makes trade easier and moves money around makes a big growth. So anytime it's not, it's kind of bad. Right. As a result, the amount of people who wanted to buy stuff went way up and the amount of gold stayed the same and there was a shortage and the value of gold was higher so the price of everything else fell and this was insanely bad for poor people which mean they had to work harder to pay off debt so you know when you hear i think it was ron paul talking about how we need to go back to the gold standard he's he's not he's not in your interest this is not what he wants because <laughs> he's just got like a cellar full of gold and he's just like just waiting hoping Hoping we'll go back to the gold standard, then I will he be. Must. I will be king. Must have a dungeon of gold. The price of yeah. gold fluctuates daily. <laughs> it's, it's, um, all yeah, the time. absolutely. 
Um, it has it has to do with what's going on in the world as far as like with governments, uh, what has what's going on with the stock market, all sorts of different factors. Um, it can drop as much as like a hundred dollars or go up as much a hundred dollars per ounce a day. It's crazy. I watch gold prices all the time. <laughs> so, so like if it goes up a a bit, do people like rush to sell? Uh, their gold yeah. or something like like if it went up like if it went up like two hundred dollar on a day yeah you, know, you wanna would you be like oh shit I you wanna it. sell it immediately if you can I guess that's a that's a gamble too though, it right? is because it's it like you could sell it more you could sell you could sell a now. bunch for a hundred dollars but then it's three hundred dollars more you know the next week or yeah, something it could you know yeah. well, I mean it, it oh. most likely won't happen that way because if it goes up like or down a hundred dollars in a day it'll typically level out like over the next couple days. Um, and be oh, back, yeah. like right back around where it was. But to put it in perspective, when I first started working in the industry around like 2008, uh, gold was at like $350 an ounce or something like that. Now it's around $1,800 an ounce. And that's only a matter of 13 years. So, Holy yeah, shit. that it, it took a huge jump um, Good somewhere in between, I think around 2010. Something like that. It went from like three hundred to like nine hundred, then twelve hundred, and then it stuck around there mm. for a while. Yeah, I don't know if this is true or not, but I did hear that a few years ago they realized that like pretty much all the mineable gold in the world will be mined within a certain time frame. Uh, it, and I kind of wonder if like that sounds like it might send a send prices up pretty rapidly. Yeah, yeah. If, if that is true, um. I haven't heard that, but I'm, I mean, they say that. I don't know, I don't know if it's true. It was like, like a couple of years ago I heard within that. Within the industry, they say stuff like that all the time, like different gemstones. Oh, this is only a limited mine with this, this one mine has this gemstone and then come to find out like they discover another mine and then the, the market's flooded with it. So, of course, the value goes oh, yeah. down. It's not quite what the perceived, That's amazing. the perception was. It's weird. I guess it's like the same, same thing with diamonds, right? Yeah. It's like there are so many fucking diamonds in the world, but like they always try to make it seem like, oh, there's, you know, like there's not that many diamonds. Like, how could you not buy this, well, this diamond? It, that like, also has to do quali- with quality as well. So there's a lot of shitty sure, diamonds, but yeah. ones that are like better color cl- cut and clarity and all that, those are more rare. And that's why the prices of diamonds fluctuate so much because of the, the certain mm. qualities of them. I yeah. See. It's funny, it mentions in the book that um, in in the old-timey stock markets, companies would make these announcements about their, like if a stock started, you know, tanking or whatever, they come out and be like, no, we're better than ever. And then mm-hmm. everybody would be like, okay. Yep. It's like whatever you say, like it it's just weighs so much on nonsense yeah i mean if you hold the keys so much of it has to do with just lies to get more money sorry if you hold the keys you can say whatever you want it's crazy especially if you hold the keys to the diamond mines yep looking at you de beers yeah fuck you de beers (laughs) whoa 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 yeah fuck them dub bears I thought you guys were just being really harsh to that. Uh, he zoned team. out for no. a minute, and I was just like, "Why do you hate Chicago Bears yeah, so much?" Yeah, yeah, fuck the Bears. <laughs> yeah, De Beers, I think, was uh, single-handed, not single-handedly, but basically for uh, the reason why we give diamonds as engagement rings now, 
they kind of like created the narrative around that nothing oh, yeah. they is pulled as a Valentine's good as a diamond. Day, yeah. Diamonds are forever, blah blah blah. Diamonds are forever. Yeah. Diamonds are forever. Diamonds are forever. <laughs> Come on, she doesn't love you. She doesn't love you. Unless she got her big diamond, big, big diamond. Look at our ugly jewelry. Yeah. Fuck you. You're going to buy it. Mm-hmm. You're going to buy it because we whispered about diamonds. Yeah. That tracks. Diamonds, yeah. Diamonds. <laughs> Glad we don't have a diamond standard. I digress. Sorry. I went off on a tangent. <laughs> no, I liked no, no, it. No, no. It was that actually was very good. interesting. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> that adds. Um, so we're on the gold standard and it's failing hard. And even though it's failing, people got used to it. So now it's the most simple and natural way to do money. And that's how it is. So here we're back to shiny money thoughts and not a lot else. If it ain't shiny, I don't like it. Yeah. The only problem is that, you know, money is fiction. (laughs) That's the whole point. Like money is fiction. And the amount of gold in circulation at any point is not. So we're, like, not understanding, the basis of people do not understand that they're, like, keeping the rich rich and the poor poor. They think that, you know, this this standard is helpful to everyone. Right. So most of its trusted advocates were, you know, rich and conservative. Two of its most famous advocates were President William McKinley and famed health guru and eugenicist Irving Fisher. Oh, lovely. And they both sound, like, I knew McKinley was kind of, eh, but, like, it sounds like both of them should have their own, like, shitty horror novel based on <laughs> the things that they have done. <laughs> They're two just, like, hunched over, like, yes, yes. <laughs> Villains, yes. But, yeah, Ferengi. Oh, sure, Ferengis, yeah. Ferengis, mm-hmm. they're Ferengis. So the guy who ran against McKinley uh, two times and lost two times was Williams Jennings Bryan. Excuse me, Williams Jennings Bryan. And he ran on behalf of the working man, saying that the working man is just another kind of businessman and would, you know, benefit from more money, too, which I feel like we could all get behind. He lost both times. <laughs> he was like, I'm here for the working man. He needs money. And then somehow he lost. I, I don't know. Uh, Fisher went on to write a book about how he was wrong about the gold standard later. And maybe he could have also figured out he was wrong about eugenics, but we'll see. Hey, one thing at a time. One One thing thing at a time. time. (laughs) Uh, Basically, he figured out that the value of a dollar changes regardless of the gold weight. So that means that, you know, the point is moot. Right. Uh, Even though the guy who ran against McKinley, Brian, was the one who popularized this idea... Uh, more of a more loosely based dollar involving silver, but it was Fisher who eventually got everybody into it. The great stock market crash that preceded the Great Depression uh, wouldn't have been as bad had we not uh, been using the rules of the gold standard, and we'll talk about that a little bit uh, coming up. The next development in American money came after we fought ourselves for 200 years over whether or not we were going to have a centralized bank. Now, this time, banks made money, and the government did not. A government currency? Preposterous. Preposterous! Can you even imagine such Communism! A Communism! <laughs> Puppy yeah, cough. exactly. A single centralized bank makes it easier for federal governments to transfer money to states. It's also a large consolidation of power into private hands. 
And that was the big problem. You know, America has long history of hating big government. (laughs) So America tried to have central banks in the past, and it never went well. And then came a true nerd to save the day. Nicholas Biddle lobbied for rechartering of the bank to make it so to make it the central authority over all the banks and regulate the industry, which you know is not a thing anybody tried before. The reasons why is because much like today, bankers are shady. Finance guys are gamblers, and unchecked capitalism speeds off into greed and hoarding, which eventually leads us back to the money flow, hitting a wall, hurting the economy. Biddle was pretty Starfleet about money. He passed it around when needed and collected it for storage when needed. And unlike other banking institutions, he believed, believed, that this movement wasn't just about getting richer than God. It was about protecting the nation's money and economy. And that's when we had a giant breakthrough. Enter stage far right, Andrew Jackson, becomes president. And Jackson is like if you crossed Ron Swanson with a genocidal white supremacist. (laughs) He also hated money and banks. I always picture Andrew Jackson with just like always with a bottle in his hand. That's fucking ironic, isn't he on money? I think he is, yeah. (laughs) Oh, he'd be rolling over. Oh my god, that's great. I'm gonna Google that real quick. (laughs) Be rolling over in his grave. What? What? (laughs) Sorry, I had to find out. No, not Joe Biden. What? Oh, he's on the 20. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah nice. he would have hated that. That's not even like, yeah, he would have been real mad about that. <laughs> you damn. <laughs> so mad about that. Put my face on that evil. <laughs> yeah. He thought it was a scam. I'm, I mean, I I don't blame him, kind of. He, uh, he basically was written kind of like a bad check, he had a bad credit for, or bad line of credit from a guy to pay for some land he was selling. And then. And then he used all that money, and then it bounced, and then he had to pay everything back himself and, like, sell his family business and oh, stuff. Shit. So he was just like, fuck banks. It's all a scam. <laughs> it's all just to fuck over the working man and take his shit. Yeah. So not being totally wrong or totally right about that, Jackson also saw that the central bank was the two things he hated the most, East Coast city slicker- slickers and big government. So Biddle had to go through Congress to get the bank recharted. And Congress agreed, but Jackson slapped it down with a veto. He called it a tool of the rich and a dangerous centralization of power and a way to keep the poor down. He also said Biddle wasn't a bad guy. But even though even though they'd had some public beef, like Biddle showed up and like threw a party about it and then didn't go visit the president and everybody was like, oh, <gasps> damn. He just showed up to town to be like, fuck you, and then leave. Ooh. And then he still lost, so I was like, eh. Uh, <laughs> you got biddled. But he said, like, he's not the bad guy. Eventually, someone with an evil agenda will replace Biddle, and that's the problem. Mm. So, as you might imagine, other banks who'd been following the federal rules were now free to be as shitty as they wanted, and chaos ensued. Ooh. There were 8,370 types of money because anyone could print money. Oh my god. In fact, they treated it they treated it like Republicans treat healthcare today and they're like, "Oh, you know, anybody can just like be a healthcare provider. It's fine. <laughs> anyone can do insurance for healthcare. Like it's it's a free market. You should get to just print money, you know?" 
whoosh. The the flow, the whoosh, it was way over their heads this time. It's just everything. I mean, just everything. like this I got twenty five dead dogs waiting in the bank. <laughs> yeah, what am I supposed to do with all these dead dogs? I got all yeah. these seashells. They're not federal. Yeah, all these seashells. <laughs> Man, I knew I should have accepted cows again. God. <laughs> so all these all these all these were were types of paper money though, right? Um, it was mostly paper mostly money. Mostly paper money, yeah. Yeah, was, I think that also includes uh, coins and stuff too. Right, yeah. Because didn't uh, the states have their own currency too at one point? S- state banks were able to print their own currency. Yeah. So like every little state bank had its own currency. Yeah. It was all backed by government bonds and railroad bonds and morg- mortgages now, but also mostly lies. And those small state banks, the unreg- unregulated ones, got away with a lot more shadiness because you had to travel. You had to send like people to travel around to those. Yeah. So, yeah. Eight, like over 8,000 types it's of It's impossible money. to regulate yeah, at that scale. Like literally impossible. So small unregulated banks got away with more shadiness and business owners who accepted the money had to investigate every note to know if it was legitimate or counterfeit. Ooh. They had like a book that described the different currencies from all the different banks in the entire wow. country. That's cool. It is pretty cool. But imagine having to do that every time yeah. you're trying to make change. You'd have to have a whole staff for that. <laughs> Consult the book. <laughs> it was like a big ritual bringing out the book. Yeah. Like, oh, God. Candles. And, yep. Ugh. and you got to wait through the ritual <laughs> to get your money out. Oh, yeah. And to add on to the ritual, um, you got to put this part in there. The farther away you go from the bank that issued the note, the more depreciated that note is. So it might be a dollar in Wisconsin. It's 50 cents in California. Wow. Yeah. You might as well not even leave your block. <laughs> yeah, it depreciates with every step. Is... My goodness. It's like a car off the lot. <laughs> so in the 1970s, free banking nerds ran the numbers and found that it actually worked better than you might expect. But... Not because it's a good system, but because colonizing the West was complete and utter anarchy. Yeah. And that seemed to work because it was also like nonsensical anarchy. (laughs) And they found that it pretty much did the job. Yeah. I just, I I don't know, I just can't believe it fucking worked. (laughs) I really can't. It was just, just always just glued, super glued, duct taped together. Yeah, it it blows my mind. Mm And then the unification of the United States came with cutting out all the money that wasn't from a government bond-backed bank, yep. a national bank. And they did the gold standard thing of causing a shortage and a crisis. And then after all of this came, every 10 years, America's free banking system collapsed and there were mass panics and runs on the bank and you know the economy was stifled. So they tried to figure out a way to like make it all work together without a centralized bank for so long and it never would work. But you couldn't tell the, the American people that, hey, we just need a centralized bank. They're like, no, they're not. They, it's like whenever we talk about raising taxes now, everybody's just like, no, yeah, no, <laughs> like it's to make sure we have roads. No, it's it's for schools. No, it's just it was the same thing. They're like, we don't care what it's for. Yeah, it's just no. a, it's a frantic asylum of ins- insane people. It's just that the way it feels yeah. to me. Feels very frantic. People just flipping out and freaking out, and yeah, just insanity. Yep. So there was a group of of bankers, and this involved J.P. Morgan. There were a lot, uh, mostly people. I 
don't recognize their names. I'm not sure they were ever famous enough to be like interesting. But anyway, <laughs> uh, or I don't know. But J.P. Morgan was the name involved that you would recognize. Yes. And he basically locked everybody up in a in a conference room at his house and made them figure out how they were going to make all of this And stop. he farted in the room before he left. <laughs> he probably did. <laughs> Seems like a thing he would do, for sure. It's probably, like, gold dust in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, after this, they... This group decided that they were going to sneak away and plan a centralized bank away from Americans getting wind of it and freaking out, basically. So they dressed up like duck hunters and got on a train, and I think it was Hoboken, and 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 took off like dress like dressed in costumes as duck hunters, like pretending that they're not who they are. And then they came up with Reserve institutions. That's some Looney Tune shit, and pitched dude. It. My God. Yeah, pitched it to Congress. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bank. It's not a bank. It's a reserve. It's not a bank. It's, Dressing it's up like, like duck I know hunters. Like, thinking, but it's hmm, not I'll a never bank. figure it out. <laughs> be very, very quiet. I'm hunting bankers. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Thank you. That was really good. <laughs> At some point, you got to do the Negus for us on this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants me to do the Negus. Everybody Such a wants good it. Nagus. I know. <laughs> we know. We know who can take Shun's But I'm not going to give it to him just yet. You got to make him wait. Participation. <laughs> so the Democratic congressman who pushed the bill through the House said that the ghost of Andrew Jackson haunted him. <laughs> really? Coming off the gold standard. He was just a real dick. He just poked me. Just kept poking yeah, me and poking me. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> You stop it. There's like a cold ball sack on my face, isn't there? I know he's there. I just know he's there. I can smell it. I can't prove it, but I know he's there. (laughs) (laughs) So they would not also have a centralized bank in the power of private hands like a king. Like everybody's, that's the thing everybody would hate. So they were like, no, we're not going to do that. Instead, these would be headed by governors appointed by the president. So it's way more a hand of the government than it is like a private uh, enterprise in that way. Goldstein describes it as, quote-unquote, horse designed by a committee of committees, a camel of a central bank, and if it sounds like it was a good idea and kind of a mess, it was. It was a real chimera. It was, <laughs> it was quite disturbing. <laughs> this was the birth of the Federal Reserve, the, you know, the ones we still Some horrible, today. unnatural birth. <laughs> And now we arrive back at the start of the Great Depression. Yay. Aren't you glad you joined me? Oh, Yay. God, cue the Ken Burns music. <laughs> well, I was just a boy when the Depression hit. Me and my family couldn't eat. We lost a house. Nowhere to sleep. <laughs> dust. Dust everywhere. Dust in my butt. <laughs> I used flower sacks as my underpants. Sand in my crack. Always in my crack. (laughs) Oh, God. I hope that never happens again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it's the Great Depression. The Fed is in place, and we're using the gold standard. And a series of escalating runs on the Fed resulted on closures of all banks for bank holidays. Mm -hmm. This is when bank holidays become a thing. 
And really what it means is we ain't got no money. Come back. Don't come back. <laughs> that's, that's what a bank holiday is for. <laughs> We're it, empty. Like transferring gold things. Ah. So no one could get their money. And people were starting to pick up arms in D.C. And this was the same day that President Roosevelt was sworn in. He would be the president during the crash and the Depression. Oh, pardon. Anyway, this, de- this is called a deflationary spiral, a profound preventable economic disaster caused by money, by the essence of money. The very essence. 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 And the Bank of England, who had essentially invented the gold standard, did the unthinkable. They stopped redeeming paper money for gold. And then everybody was like, oh, God, we're about to do that next. Run on the bank. Run on the bank. Run on the bank. <laughs> and then they ran on the bank. And the Fed just, was supposed- You just imagine people just fucking, like, swarming into the streets. just like, what? What? What do we do? Ah! I'm picturing uh, the, the bank run scene from Mary Poppins with all the old ladies with their really floofy feather hats. are like, the bank run to give someone back the money. Oh, Dara, give me my money. I'll take every cent. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, so- this whole spiral that was happening was the thing that the Fed was supposed to not let happen. It was kind of the reason it was there, the whole fucking reason. Um, but they kept to their old timey-wimey ways and followed the rules of the gold standard and raised interest rates to make people want to keep their money in the banks. And this worked for that, but tanked the real economy. So basically everybody who was a worker was fucked. Oh, shit. Okay, you know, you and me, workers of the world. Because it meant interest rates on uh, debt went up, making it harder for small businesses and us people to just, like, pay our regular bills. Yeah. Mm. This was a throat kick to everybody already struggling and the exact opposite of what the Fed should have done. In today's Fed practices, the lesson is still used. High when the economy is hot and low when it's not. And then in the old-timey gold standard, the Fed did exactly what it thought it was supposed to do based on that. But as we've pointed out many times, you can't base a malleable fiction on an unchanging fact like gold. So here we are. Once again, the same problem always happens. Except, like, they try to make it a tangible thing, and it just cannot be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after historians uh, reviewed this practice, and in hindsight, they figured out that the economic downturn we know as the Great Depression would have been... Just a regular, smaller downturn like the other every 10-year collapses. But because we wouldn't get off the gold standard, it was much worse. And we didn't we didn't give the economy a sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. we didn't sacrifice any virgins to the economy. Oh, shit. Blood sacrifice. They didn't even put up a volcano on Wall Street. What's up God with damn that? It. Missing the boat yep. here. Disrespectful. Yeah. It's hungry. <laughs> So President Hoover, who didn't want to get off the gold standard, talked about leaving it like modern day politicians talk about socialism in America, how it's detrimental, how it'll lead to chaos and ruin. And obviously we've been doing it since then and it's fine. Roosevelt beat him in a landslide. And guess who was around to help fix the money problem? Irvin Fisher, who was the health guru eugenicist guy from the beginning, who was like, I'm wrong about the gold standard. He shows up to be like, because he's been basically centering his whole world off of taking America off the gold standard. He sent, he spent his life 
making that a thing. Wow. Oh, man, he was so hard, mm-hmm. I bet. So hard the whole time. You know, do what you love, you never work a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just sounds like the worst existence to it's me. Nice I don't to know. You, it's nice to meet you, sir. It's nice to meet you, Mr. President. I'm sorry for my heart on. <laughs> that might be true. Yeah. <laughs> so he advised him on leaving the cold standard to raise prices. And because of bank holidays and the freeze on money and the bank runs, people were bartering again. And as a nation, our, fan- our finances were in chaos. And after much ado about whether or not we would go off the gold standard, we did. And the government denied every accusation that this was happening until it finally could be committed to. First, much like the con of China, they made everyone cash in their gold and silver and rely on paper. And people lost their minds. The Rons went nuts across the country. Roosevelt explained how banking works to Americans in a fireside chat. Now, I I don't know if this would ever work today because of just like the ruin that Trump left the presidency in. But he just kind of sat down and explained why this keeps happening. And then everybody was cool. He was just like, be cool. Keep it in the bank. All right, America. The reason this happens is you take it out, and they're all like, oh, dig, cat. That was it. (laughs) I need to explain banking using these two sock puppets. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe that's what we should. We should just have grown people in a room where we explain big things with sock puppets. (laughs) I'll go. Sounds fun. Whatever. Can what I drink? Do you think? Can I drink there? The gold go. standard will never be stable. <laughs> well, I don't know. What do you do? <laughs> well, I think. So, uh, that would have made it fun. So he, he basically told them that money was a token of trust, basically. And that if Americans felt bad about banks and all went to get their money at once, then they wouldn't get it because the bank was using it in multiple places. And it didn't mean that they didn't have their money. It's that it wasn't available for you to get right now. So you see, money's like a fart. <laughs> <laughs> that feels true sometimes. Sometimes you have it and you bring it into another room. <laughs> sometimes it travels to multiple rooms. Wow, this is just like an expert talking lecture for you, isn't it? No, oh, thank you. <laughs> if fart was a currency, I swear I'd be rich. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> so yeah, the the final clincher for this was him telling everybody they need to leave their money in the bank because we were doing good social works with it. We I think it was I mean, we were building our economy obviously at that mm-hmm. time, but also it was like, you know, railway railway pursuits through Africa. So good a little bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's not super cool. Not too cool. No. He said that everybody band together and left their money in the banks and followed the new system. Everything would get better. And he was right. In his famous quote about not having anything to fear but fear itself, he was talking about Americans' fear of of leaving the gold standard. Wow. It sounds like he just bent America over his knee and gave him a good spank. (laughs) And then explained why he spanked them in like a really (laughs) yoga tone. I'm doing this because I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I care about your future. This hurts me just as much as it hurts you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this fear, like, keep in mind, this fear kind of translates to modern times because, I don't know, while Trump was kind of fucking everything up, I was kind of like, should I not put all of my money in a high-yield savings account that comes from, like, out of state, you know, because everything might go chaotic in the next whoever knows amount of time, mm-hmm. especially every time he talked about nuclear weapons. I was just like, okay, maybe I, maybe, why banks, though? 
you know, maybe it's time to go get my money and go to the woods. <laughs> and if you keep making people feel like that, the economy will drop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this was also a time period where um, things happened every day to the point of exhaustion, like the last year that we spent in 2020. It had been several years of just everything in the news is bad, everything in the economy is bad, just bad, 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 bad. So these people were... <laughs> Papers are just flying from every Exhausted. day. Exhausted. Yeah, yeah. Bad, oh, we're leaving bad. the gold standard? I don't give a fuck. Just a little bad, but <laughs> yeah. bad again. They were upset, but it was also like a drop in the bucket. Right. You know? So when they pushed the bill through that took us off the gold standards, there were a few politicians who were like, this is the end of Western civilization, <laughs> which again sounds like. One guy gross. shot himself you know, right there and then in the court. <laughs> One guy just like shoots himself with the fucking head. Just. <laughs> There were no sailors kissing this time. Uh, we, America's economy didn't recover until World War II. And we were surveying the scene and we figured out that many countries who had been on the gold standard were really kicked in that time period. And then it wasn't until their economies gave up on the gold standard that they were able to recover. Yeah. It's like it's like getting off heroin. <laughs> the heroin that's based on gold. Mm-hmm. So right now, oh, this the- is really gonna hurt to put in my veins. <laughs> oh God, that would just just get that fancy vodka. <laughs> just, just drink it. Do people drink the little gold flakes? Won't that you can, like tear right? you like, up inside? No, it's very soft. I don't think so. Gold is extremely soft. Okay. Yeah. It's just because like it's in a flake format. I would think that it would tear at well, you. Like pure gold but, is yeah. is just makes your doo doo twinkle. Is incredibly bit. soft, but once you start mixing it with al- other alloys, that's when we get um like the fourteen k, eighteen k jewelry. It it um stabilizes it and makes it so that it is like a wearable piece. But otherwise, you can just oh cool gold super soft. Otherwise, it'd just be like like foil. Yeah, I mean it. Foil's more cutty than than gold even. I mean, it's it's crazy soft. Okay. Soft foil. Okay. <laughs> Keep that in mind. I've never touched, I don't know, like natural oh, gold. Oh yeah, if you you can get um I've only ever, you know, seen jewelry. Gold flake at like the craft store. And you just touch it and it's it it almost like rubs into your skin. It's so soft. That's cr- okay. Now I'm gonna go rub things at the craft store. <laughs> we told you not to come back here. <laughs> you can't keep me out. <laughs> this is God's Hobby Lobby. <laughs> he said I could be here. <laughs> okay, so um, we're gonna take us out. Thank you for joining us for part two. I just want to say that right now we're on the verge of another money problem slash innovation: electronic money. It's almost a guarantee that this money innovation will happen especially because of automation. We'll probably have another crisis. I wish we could just skip the part where we have a crisis about it and just do it, but we probably won't. It's funny because we already kind of do it, right? It's like, I don't know, like I don't use cash that much anymore, to be honest. Yeah, it's just like the day a government's like, we only use digital, like there's now national Bitcoin. I mean, that's kind of what my my money has been for me. You know, like I I rarely pull out cash and I'm mostly paying things online or or going and paying with my card. So money is already like almost kind of gone out of my life. It's it's now a number on a screen. Yeah, Yeah. right now we're witnessing the, the achievement, you know, like when it became a coin from a cow. Yep. And then when it went from being a cow to being paper or 
or coin, whatever. You listen to the podcast. <laughs> you heard the chronology. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the money goes from my my work and electronically into my account electronically, and I pay other people electronically, and it's just yeah. You, you don't make really them pay it. you in gold bars. <laughs> they actually have gold bars. <laughs> 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 I don't know another job that could actually do that for well, you. Well, it's weird. It's almost like um, it's almost like accruing points on a, in a video game or something. It's like you yeah. know you you donate your time and and you know your skill to something, and then it's like, oh wow, you've gotten eighteen hundred points this week. <laughs> Yay, good for good you. For you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like wow, I just played like forty hours this week. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we're really all just living in a giant Chuck E. Cheese, except a lot less fun. <laughs> Like that's yeah, a yeah. lot, a lot less fun. That's true. <laughs> uh, so money is the biggest, most successful lie on earth. Maybe a fiction worth all the novels, the scrolls, the scriptures of the world over. And we can all have more money because money can be infinitely manipulated, held back only by our lack of creativity. I hope you'll take this info with you into the next year and so on. And I hope you'll ask bigger, more righteous questions like why. Why? 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 <laughs> when an elected official says we can't pay for social programs we desperately need. Can't or won't? That's our new question for financing the future of humanity. And then kick can't him in won't. the balls. Kick him them, in the balls. Put them balls on his face. Yeah. This is a ball Shit kicking show. I've, I've threatened a few. <laughs> and I hope you can think about the malleability of money as a creative tool. I know that money is not something to hoard or love. And now I pitch the Patreon. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, well, that was. Thank you guys so much for joining me. No, Thoughts, feelings. It, it was um really interesting. Yeah, but um, you know, it's like money's already already kind of an abstract thing to me. You know. Yeah, I work in the jewelry uh, industry, so I think I have a quite a bit different relationship with money. Yeah, it's very maybe true. more. You deal with literally all the forms of yeah. money. It, I I don't know how I feel about it anymore. I think an undying hatred would be a good. <laughs> a good way to describe it, but <laughs> yeah, I guess you're you're like you in know. the heart of the beast, right? Like, yeah, I, I kept thinking while making this about um the book, The Gold Eaters, where like they they sacked all these beautiful cities and took all their gold, and then they made all these goldsmiths who made all this beautiful gold work cut down and melt down all of the stuff they made and turn it into bits for currency, and they like they uh. cried. Yeah, had that's big awful. Big old burly goldsmith guys crying about it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just so funny. It's just, hey, you know that thing you did? Undo it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know that priceless work of art you made for your god? Burn it. <laughs> Unpaint it. <laughs> you know all that work you did? Undo it. Just all that time. <laughs> but you're not getting the time back. Uh. <laughs> hey, you know your life? Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's just really interesting. I. I it's, hope it was a little bit enjoyable, even if, you know, made you clutch your purse a little tighter or maybe you want to throw it out the window. <laughs> no, you know, it, honestly, like it, it just like it's a frantic, confusing world. Yeah, you know? for sure. It is. That don't make no sense at all. Mm. So, yeah, I guess you want us to do our you wanna plugs. Plugged in pluggables. There you go. Plug it all. Plug sure. It um, plug away. Yeah, so we do a podcast, uh, Under the Pendulum Podcast, with our other sister, where we cover all things horror-related. Um, and you can find us on Facebook at Under the Pendulum Podcast, on Instagram at Under Pendulum Podcast, 
on Twitter at Pendulum underscore pod. And you can find all our episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, or almost anywhere else you listen to your pods. Yeah. Nice. And I'm all there, too. Bye.